0: Renal artery duplex imaging, renovascular hypertension, renal duplex ultrasound with Doppler. Got an image here that you can see of a Sonographer scanning a patient. They're in a cubed position and they're measuring the uh, the right kidney. And we also have. Uh, a Doppler here with a spectral waveform. So, renal vascular hypertension. Uh, how does it start? What's the etiology of it? You can find a good uh, definition in your dago book on page 307. It says that renal vascular hypertension is elevated blood pressure due to stenosis or complete occlusion of one or more renal arteries. There is a resulting decrease in blood pressure and flow within the kidney. The kidney then produces and releases uh, into the bloodstream a protein called renin. Renin is converted into an enzyme, angiotensin II, and this causes uh, vasoconstriction along with sodium and water retention. The renal artery stenosis must be greater than or equal to 70% before it's likely to cause hypertension. So, hypertension is high arterial blood pressure. Did it be defined as hypertension, the systolic blood pressure, uh, or the pressure when your heart contracts? It has to be 140 milligrams of mercury or higher. Or the diastolic blood pressure, the pressure when your heart relaxes, has to be 90 milligrams of mercury or higher. The normal blood pressure is 120 over 80 milligrams of mercury. So how is it measured? I think we all know that, how we take a blood pressure. And you have an inflatable pressure um, uh, pad uh, connected to a mercury or a digital pressure measuring device called uh, a sphygmomanometer. And um, mm-hmm. symptoms, we have severe headache, nausea, confusion, and sometimes asymptomatic. Long-term, complica- long-term complications could be uh, chronic kidney disease, heart attack, and heart failure, or a stroke. Uh, risk factors include... Um, being African-American, obese, having stress and anxiety, excessive alcohol consumption, excessive salt intake, family history of high blood pressure, uh, smoking, and your lifestyle is important in helping you control your blood pressure and its associated risks. So here are some things, uh, changes that you can do to improve your blood pressure and um, maintain the body weight. Uh, with a BMI of 18.5 to 24.9. You can also adapt a uh, DASH eating plan, where you consume a diet uh, rich in fruits, vegetables, low-fat dairy dairy products, and reduce uh, content of saturated and uh, total fat. Reduce your dietary sodium intake to no more than 100 um, um, mm per day, 2.4 2.4 grams of sodium or 6 grams of sodium chloride. You can uh, It's best to engage in regular aerobic activity, such as brisk walking, at least 30 minutes most days of the week. And limit your consumption to no more than two drinks, uh, 24 ounces of beer, 10 ounces of wine, or 3 ounces of spirit per day in most men, and no more than one drink per day for women or lighter persons. Let's talk about renal hypertension. So renal hypertension affects 65 to 70 million Americans and um, approximately 10 million Americans with hypertension um, is caused by chronic renal disease or renal artery disease in approximately 400,000. And um, true renovascular hypertension approximately 260,000, and not everyone with renal artery stenosis has hypertension, just have to note that. So there's many different etiologies. The renal vascular hypertension accounts for only a small subset subset of all hypertensive patients. Renal hypertension hypertension is not responsive to medical treatment. It's associated with renal failure. Early onset of hypertension, uh, less than 30 years of age, and abnormal bruit, and abrupt onset of hypertension. Renal artery stenosis causes um, aortic distension, acute arterial thrombosis or embolism, renal artery trauma, cholesterol embolism embolic event, atherosclerotic disease, most commonly caused, is the most common cause of RAS. And it's found at the ostium or proximal two centimeters of the renal artery. So it's right by its origins, usually greater than 50 years old and men greater than female and found bilaterally in 30 to 40% of cases. Fibromuscular dysplasia or FMD is the second most common cause of renal artery stenosis. Usually affects women uh, under the age of 40 and may affect kids as well. Series of uh, circumferential stenosis in the mid to the distal renal arteries, uh, plus the interrenal arteries, and It has a string of beads appearance. And if you look at that diagram, you can see those uh, circular shapes, which contribute to that. Continue with uh, renal vascular hypertension physiology. A vessel becomes obstructed. The kidneys respond by releasing renin, which is converted to angiotensin. And uh, we talked about that a little bit just earlier. Angiotensin causes the vasoconstriction of the vascular beds. angiotessin also affects the adrenal glands. The adrenal glands secrete aldosterone. Aldosterone causes kidneys to retain sodium, which results in an increase in blood volume. So both vasoconstriction and increased blood volume equal hypertension. renal doppler ultrasound hypertension is the main indication for a duplex evaluation of renal of the renal arteries the test is non-invasive there's no contrast involved no radiation uh, the anatomic and physiological inf- information is collected uh, it's lower cost than other modalities higher sensitivity and specificity uh, in, in the experienced hands of a good sonographer, and it complements a CTA and an MRA, and it's preferred uh, because it's not invasive method uh, of following up on stent replacements also. So your renal Doppler indications um, could be uncontrolled hypertension, especially in younger patients, Um, and decreasing renal function, such as like acute renal failure, and as we said before, an abdominal bruise could be a reason also. So there's limitations of a renal doppler ultrasound. One is it's time-consuming. Most sites will uh, allocate up to an hour for the test. It's operator-dependent, so it needs the super skills of an experienced sonographer. And it, it's kind of a tedious exam, and you have to be uh, very good at what you're doing here. There's a lot of uh, detail work involved. The patient factors also are a factor, such as obesity, bowel gas, uh, respir- respiratory motion. Um, if the person's really big, you have excessive depth of the renal arteries. That can be troublesome. Also, if they've had a previous abdominal surgery, um, say they just recently had one and you have bandages that are in the way, or they had one a while ago, and that has some scar tissue, and that can be an issue too. Um, There's anatomic factors, um, such as having multiple arteries, and uh, congenital malformations to consider as well. The renal Doppler exam, as we said before, uh, it may take up to 60 minutes. Um, the patient should be MPO for eight hours and although hydrated two hours prior to the exam. And you need good 2D and color penetration and the use of good ergonomics. And you use a 2D uh, renal evaluation in two-dimension grayscale and you're also going to do an arterial Doppler. During the renal evaluation, we evaluate the kidneys for size. We look for the presence of any pathology, cysts, stones, masses, hydro, um, increased parenchyma or echogenicity from interstitial fibrosis indicates chronic or severe ischemia. Uh, the kidney parenchyma should be, con, uh, should be less than or equal to the echogenicity of that of the liver parenchyma. The kidney size should not vary from one side to the other more than two centimeters. So we are taking measurements, just like when we do a regular renal exam. Take several measurements in different positions to evaluate and reevaluate numbers. Uh, Decreased size um, may indicate renal artery stenosis in the ipsilateral kidney, so on the size that's small, the side that is small, atrophic. And normal renal parenchyma thickness measures greater than one centimeter, and normal adult kidney length is approximately 9 to 13 centimeters. The kidney with renal artery stenosis, it suffers from decreased blood flow and often atrophies. This process is called a ischemic neuropathy. The opposing kidney is at risk for developing damage from hypertension, often developing hypertensive nephrosclerosis. Uh, Persistent elevated blood pressures in the non-stenotic kidney can cause progressive scarring, leading to progressive loss of filtering function. And both unilateral and bilateral renal artery stenosis can ultimately lead to chronic renal failure. Renal lobulations, persistent renal lobulations are a normal variant. and should not be confused with cortical scarring in which the renal tissue is lost as a result of ischemia or inflammation. You can see a picture there on the right in the top one. I have some lobulations. And column of Bertines, uh, hypertrophied and round enlargement of the septal cortical tissue, often mistaken for renal mass, and it commonly protrudes into the renal sinus fat Often has the same echogenicity as the other cortical tissue, and typical location is between the upper and mid pole of the kidney, uh, similar to what you see in that bottom image. Renal anatomy. So here we have a diagram showing our renal anatomy, and. uh, you have the renal arteries that arise from the aorta, just inferior to the superior mesenteric artery. You have the um, right renal artery courses behind the IVC and your right renal artery is longer than the left. The right renal vein is shorter than the left and your normal renal veins should demonstrate phasic flow and may have pulsatile flow from the right atrium. The right renal artery passes posterior to the IVC, some of the vascular anatomy, and the left renal vein courses posterior to the SMA and the anterior to the aortic, or to the uh, aorta to enter the IVC. Your arcuate arteries branch for the from the interlobar and turn to the cortical-medullary junction to course parallel to the cortex service. The interlobar arteries extend into the cortex. Your accessory renal arteries, the polar arteries, are are common. They may arise from the aorta above or below the main renal arteries, the IMA, SMA, or other renal or other vessels. And on the right side, they may pass anterior to the IVC. And your interlobar arteries arise from the segmentals. They penetrate the renal parenchyma and run between the renal medullary pyramids. The segmental renal arteries are branches of the main renal artery, uh, and they enter through the renal hilum. So still on this renal vascular anatomy, each segmental artery branch supplies a wedge-shaped segment of parenchyma. There are no uh, effective anastomosis between the segmental branches, making the arterial supply to the kidneys vulnerable. The left renal artery is shorter than the than the right and runs posterior to the left renal vein. The left renal artery comes off the posterior lateral aorta and posterior to the IVC creating uh, for difficult Doppler images. Here we have a long image of our renal vascular anatomy and you can see the aorta and the renal arteries. You can tell that on the top um, part of your image is the liver and the IVC. And we know the IBC is to the right of the aorta, so um, in that image you would have the anterior uh, portion of the image, the right renal artery, the top, and the bottom image would be the left. Variant in arterial anatomy, most common arterial anatomy is single right and left renal artery, up to And um, variant anatomy is common. Approximately 15% will have an early division of the main renal artery. Multiple arteries may occur unilaterally or bilaterally. Um, Most will arise near the main artery from the abdominal aorta. They may also arise from the common iliac, superior or inferior mesenteric, or other nearby arteries. And stenosis in an accessory artery may cause hypertension also. Here we have an image where we have um, a single right uh, renal artery and double left renal artery. So performing your renal Doppler, you have the direct method of Doppler evaluation of the renal arteries. In that evaluation, your peak systolic velocity of the renal arteries, you're going to follow from the aorta the renal arteries by their origin, sampling the proximal, mid, and distal, and getting a renal-aortic ratio. So you will sample the aorta as well when you do a renal artery Doppler study. Doppler angles must be uh, less than 60 degrees or equal to. Using a low frequency will increase the 2D penetration and allow detection of higher Doppler velocities. Multiple positions are needed to evaluate the entire renal artery and supine transverse for um, origins, right and left lateral decubitus positions for mid to uh, distal renal arteries, and also origins. So you will definitely uh, experience uh, changing up your patient's positions to get these arteries, and there's a lot of reasons and variables that you'll need to do that. Your normal renal artery waveform, it is low-resistive waveform, less than 180 centimeters per second in um, uh, peak systolic velocity. Um, just a note, even on a renal artery doppler on a transplant kidney, it, that should also be low-resistive. There's a rapid systolic acceleration, peak systolic velocity greater than um, 180 to 200 centimeters per second, and some studies state that greater than 180 centimeters per second is abnormal, and greater than 200 centimeters per second indicates a greater than 60% stenosis. Um, Use the highest renal artery signal. uh, normal is less than 180 meters, centimeters per second. And a renal artery stenosis of 60 to 99% uh, is indicated by greater than 180 centimeters per second with post turbulence. Uh, total occlusion would mean you have no flow. And flow may be seen in the intra renal arteries due to accessory arteries or collateral reconstitution of flow. So even though you might have an occluded renal artery, there still could be flow making its way to the, the kidney. Uh, The renal artery ratio greater than 3.5 renal artery peak systolic velocity um, and divided by the peak systolic velocity of the aorta, and take the aorta measurement from the center stream uh, just proximal to the level of the renal arteries. And normal is less than 3.5, renal artery stenosis. Of 60 to 99% would be greater than a 3.5 ratio and total occlusion uh, renal uh, length would be less than nine um, of course unless it's a really small person some of them have smaller measurements renal doppler take your aortic velocity measurement just above the level of the renal arteries And then we have an indirect Doppler exam versus the direct. And the indirect are the intrarenal segment, segmental arcuate artery Doppler evaluation. Some places actually do both or a combination of each. That's something that uh, my hospital has done for a while. So they're going to sample from the segmental waveforms from the upper, middle, and lower kidney of the arcuate arteries. You evaluate four parameters, the early systolic peak, the acceleration time, acceleration index, and resistive index. The Doppler evaluation of the intrarenal arteries depends highly on meticulous technique. That is very true. It is very easy to uh, produce false positive waveforms, um, so you have to be careful to be accurate. Um, It's really important that you Uh, Work with your patient on breathing and holding their breath to do this because if they are not able to hold their breath, it makes this very difficult. Use a posterior lateral approach to minimize the depth of the vessels from the transducer and use color to find those segmental vessels. Continue with an indirect Doppler exam. Use angles as close to zero as possible. No angle correction is necessary for segmental artery waveforms as you are not measuring the velocities. However, careful attention to the angle is critical for accurate waveforms. So you want to have a, be, have your gate lined up properly with the angle of the, the vessel that you're sampling. Use angles as close to zero as possible. Arters angles greater than 30 degrees to the beam will appear rounded, artificially eliminating the early systolic peak. One pitfall is, is, while it may appear that you are at a zero degree angle to the segmental vessel, it may be a torturous uh, proximal to where you are uh, sampling, which may affect or reduce the, and eliminate that early systolic peak. You want to use a 3 to 5 megahertz Doppler frequency. Higher Doppler frequencies create larger Doppler shifts between the beam and the red blood cells, and making larger waveforms. Using lowest Doppler velocity scale possible without aliasing to create the largest waveform to evaluate and measure your early systolic peak, um, early systolic compliance peak uh, divided by your reflective wave complex. And its most important criteria for detecting is greater than 60% terminal artery stenosis or renal artery occlusion with collateral flow reconstitution. Here we have some waveforms, and what is normal, it can be difficult to see the early systolic peak in a waveform as it is usually obscured uh, in the late systolic component. Here you have your normal waveform with your dichotic notch, you have that uh, sharp upstroke, And, and you can see an increased acceleration time with a more rounded waveform. And then we have, lastly, a TARDIS-PARVIS waveform. It's very rounded. The Doppler waveform represents blood flow coming from the heart. With no obstruction, the waveform will retain the qualities that it is started with. When there is an obstruction to the flow of the blood, uh, blood loses its initial characteristics, the waveform becomes more rounded takes longer to get um, that peak systole. Acceleration time is it's slowed. An indirect Doppler exam continued, your acceleration time is a time from the start of systole to the early systolic peak when present or the systolic peak. And your acceleration index is the slope of the systolic rise. You measure from the start of the systole to the early systolic peak uh, when present or to the systolic peak. And your acceleration index less than three meters per second squared indicates renal artery stenosis of greater than 60%. Resistive index. So this is a measurement parameter of the compliance of the parenchymal tissue if the small kidney vessels cannot accept increased flow and systole. Due to calcified small vessels or stiff cortical tissue, the waveform will have a resistive pattern. The resistive index should be measured and compared between kidneys. A difference in resistive index between the kidneys increases suspicion for chronic renal artery stenosis on the side with the highest resistive index. So a resistive index, it's our peak systolic velocity by the end systolic velocity minus that, divided by the peak systolic velocity. The normal resistive index would be less than 0.7. So limitations of indirect exam uh, with diminished diastolic flow as seen in a highly resistive intrarenal signal, the early systolic peak may persist even in the presence of a renal artery stenosis Indirect signs of renal artery stenosis, such as a tardis parvus waveform or loss of ESP, are not as reliable. Over-reliance on on indirect technique in cases with diminished diastolic flow may result in false negative results. You cannot distinguish between severe stenosis versus no occlusion due to collateral circulation. And it's not as sensitive to stenosis, uh, less than 60%. So diameter-reducing lesions of less than 50% are not hemodynamically significant for the kidneys. Remember the basics. If you see an early systolic peak uh, in a segmental vessel, there cannot be a significant stenosis upstream to where you sample. And the exception to this would be cases of extremely diminished diastolic flow. If you do not see the... At early systolic peak, you must rely on other factors to back up your findings. You have to recheck your techniques for proper angles, check other signal waveforms in the same kidney. So take some other samples, make sure your settings right, and check your main renal artery waveforms. Uh, disease proximal to where you are sampling changes the, the timing and strength of the signal, and disease distal to where you are sampling changes the resistance of the signal. And criteria for detection of a greater than 60% renal artery stenosis, a peak systolic velocity greater than R87 meters per second, a renal artery uh, ratio of greater than 3.5, post stenotic turbulence, uh, TARDIS-PARVIS waveform, absence of early systolic peak, an acceleration time of greater than 0.07 seconds, an acceleration index Uh, Less than three meters per second squared and use both direct and indirect methods, overcome some of these limitations specific to each. And that's what a lot of these uh, labs are doing now.